Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. Bobby, what's wrong with the car? Uh-oh, I think it's broke. Look, that thing there is all smoked up. We, we got a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. We can find out. I think we should just start poking stuff. Oh, all right. I don't do that, folks. Tune into the Grease Gurus. Don't go to the emergency room. Go to the Grease Gurus and learn why your car might have stopped on the side of the road and what not to touch. On Saturday mornings <laughs> from 10 a.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Ouch! That hurt! You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. You may call me Dr. Yes. Uh, Y-E-S? Yes. Oh, uh, well, Dr. Yes. Yes? Uh, I was just doing a little daydreaming behind the wheel. Yes. Well... Yes, but you see, when you step into the taillight zone, anything can happen. Yes. Anything could happen. We've had this car made especially for you. Wing machine guns, ejection seat, and all of that. Oh, no, no, no. We found that those options had a somewhat limited market. Uh, This time, we've put all the goodies under the bonnet. There it is. The 396 cubic inch turbojet V8. Special high-performance camshaft, four-barrel carburetor, and large dual exhaust. Horsepower? Uh, 360, but uh, who counts? The interior is in full keeping with your image as a man of action. Strato bucket seats, center console, recessed instrument cluster, all that sort of thing. But you'll be in some pretty fast company. Uh, But that's another of my fiendish schemes. Let's get on with this one. And we did. We faced a series of diabolical tests. The SS-396 against GTO and just plain GT. Each car the goingest performance model offered. First, Tony Tiger challenged me to a panic brake stop. SS-396 can outstop the GTO, but can it outgo the GTO? And what about the Fairlane GT? And then they lined us up for a quarter-mile run. The answer? The SS-396 can outgun GTO and leave Fairlane's GT in the dust. We could outstop them and outgun them, but could we outrun them? An all-out high-speed run would tell. From a standing start to the half mile. It 
didn't take long to realize the SS-396 can go with the best of them. In fact, it's the pace setter. It was SS-396 going away. Now I was ready to make my move. I knew that the SS-396 takes a backseat to no one in the, uh, go-go field. So I decided to go. Yes. What's the matter with you? Can't you ever say no? How could anyone say no to the SS-396? Hi, this is Dave McClellan, the voice of NHRA. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk, 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And don't forget to visit our archive page, where we have 405 shows archived and saved for you to listen on our podcast. As a matter of fact, this is our eight-year celebration for our eight-year anniversary show, and I want to welcome everybody to the show this evening. We've had an amazing run. We're going to keep it going. Who knows how long, but we're having fun, and we've had some amazing guests, and we're going to have some future amazing guests. So as a matter of fact, we have a pretty interesting guest coming on tonight. He's been on our show before, and he's also host of a new TV show that is on Discovery Channel. Anyway, good evening, Vaughn. How you doing? Pretty good, Robert. How are you doing? Pretty good. You're doing good, good, good. You're getting better, better, better. And uh, Bobby's over there in the background. My son's in town for this spectacular anniversary event, and he may be joining us in a few minutes. So any rate, um, oh yeah, don't forget to follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let's see, Facebook would be Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Gulfstream Motorsports, and Twitter would be at NRC on Air. How about that? So, wow. So, Yes, all our followers are organic. You know, it's funny because I, I get that question asked of me often. How many followers do you have? Well, you know, to some people, I guess, and to advertisers, the uh, promotional side, they want to know who the followers are or how many you have. And uh, ours are pretty much all organic. I think we have something like 500-plus uh, followers on uh, on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We have something like six or 700 on Twitter, and we have uh, 140 or so on Twitter. Uh, Gulfstream Motorsports. And, uh, but keep in mind, my listening audience is probably, mm, I'm going to say 50s, 60s, 70s. So a lot of 50s, 60s guys probably don't, well, they're probably a little bit more inclined to have access to the internet and maybe follow a little social media stuff. But the guys that are in their 70s, which is my predominant audience, probably not. 
So I think most of those guys still have AM radios or transistors, and they probably still have uh, tube apparatuses laying around. So having said that, and speaking of tube apparatus, I know if Alan's tuned in tonight, he'll be, uh, he'll be tickled pink because that's one of his uh, favorite uh, era of uh, electronics is tube electronics. The only thing I have that's tube is probably mm, maybe an old guitar amplifier or something like that. But Alan's got all kinds of tube stuff. And uh, so he's got radios and I think recorders, reel-to-reel and stuff like that. And it's amazing how much, how much of that stuff is actually very collectible. So anyway, wow. Okay, so eight years. We're going into our ninth year officially now, which is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I look back on my very, very first show, and we didn't have any guests. I just played some songs, talked a little bit, but it was very monotone. I think every year when I talk about the show, I do the same thing. I say, yes, it was a very good show, and uh, you're tuned into Nostalgic. Wow, that's, that's pretty bad. In the meantime, I discovered that, you know, it helps to have guests on the show. It helps to have a little bit of energy. And, uh, you know, because when you build this excitement and this energy, you know, people kind of get into it too. Because the whole idea when people tune into talk radio is to um, kind of interact with the people sometimes. Although we're not a call-in show per se, once in a while we do take some call-ins if it's just an open show and I might have Alan sitting in with me. And, uh, or it's a show that the topic might warrant, um, you know, some feedback from some listeners and stuff. But as a rule, I don't normally do that. But talk radio is, is a good platform to kind of get the message out. Um, produce and host your show um, talk about certain content in our case you know there's a lot of shows um, about automotive a lot of shows about racing and a lot of those are sports oriented shows so basically they do kind of like play by play ours is more of a human interest show so we cover kind of all topics of automotive so whether it's talking specifically about cars whether it's talking about insurance whether it's talking about traveling whether it's talking about working on cars owning cars appraising cars things of that nature we kind of cover it all and uh and we talk not just only about american cars muscle cars classic cars uh, early turn of the century cars but we talk about uh, some of the modern stuff and i need to learn a little bit more about that and i am working on that a little bit more because the technology seems to be going in that direction one of the guests that we're going to have on here in the future is we're going to have bob letts on he's the former vice president of general motors we're going to be talking about electric cars where the automobile industry is going and we have a number of other people that are kind of into that bob is kind of a huge fan of electric cars i guess as far as i'm concerned the jury's still out it's kind of like we talk about this and um as long as gasoline's out there in fact jay leno mentioned this because he's a regular on our show he comes on just about every year and he talked about you know there is no better fuel or power source uh, for the automobile other than gasoline and the internal combustion engine. Why? Because, you know, we, we're, we're accustomed to it. You know, we, we know we can fill up with gas and we can get two, 300 miles worth of range out of it. So that means you can drive from here to Orlando and back without having any worries. With your electric car, there's always that, 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 that uh, what's the word? That, that feeling of, mm, is this really going to make it all the way there and back? You know, is the battery going to go weak? I mean, most people, and the best analogy I can give you is if you have a golf cart, or let's just say you use a, uh, a electric drill, for example. You know, when, you, when, you're, when you're drilling and you're, and you're sc- using, you know, a screw gun or something like that, it works real good when the battery's all charged up. But as the battery wears down, it gets weaker and weaker. And consequently, what happens is as it gets weaker and weaker, it has less power. And it has less power. It has less torque. And it's, it's less able to, to get the job done. Well, you know, can you imagine if you're driving a car and your power runs really, really low and you got an electric car and you ha- don't have access to uh, a place to charge it, for example. 
and you're just outside of Orlando, and you're probably 20 miles from your final destination, all of a sudden it just goes and drops dead. Well, you know, you might not be too happy about that, especially if you have a carload of people, and especially if it's in the summertime and it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to be very, very hot. So, And uh, I was over yesterday because uh, one of the things that I do is I do appraisals and diminished value. So I spend a lot of time going out and talking to people in body shops and, and repair shops and dealerships, networking my business, soliciting my business, so to speak. And uh, I was over at Reeves Import Motor Cars yesterday talking to my friends over there. And I was talking to uh, one of the guys over in the Porsche department. And Porsche has uh, decided to retool the Porsche factory at Suffenhausen and suspend production of worldwide production of Porsche 911s. And in the interim, what they're doing is not that they won't be building any, but they're retooling for the new model. Okay, but so in the meantime, they're also retooling for their new electric cars. Now it seems like Ford, GM, Chrysler, Toyota, Honda, Porsche, Mercedes, BMW, everybody's tooling up for this electric car craze phenomenon. I'm still not so sure about it, and unfortunately, my position is this: is that there's a lot of us that are not receptive to it. So it's almost like the manufacturers are forcing electric cars down our throat. We don't want them. The majority of people don't want them. I mean, there might be some eco-freakos out there that kind of want it and think it's kind of cool. But as a rule, you know, it's not what we want. You know, um, we like the simplicity and the convenience of uh, internal combustion engines and going to a gas station, getting fuel and, and having the freedom and the luxury of knowing that we're going to be able to get from point A to point B and find a place to refuel to keep going further, you know, whatever that destiny might be. So having said that, that will be a show down the road. We'll talk about that. There's people out there that know a lot more about it than I do. But I will tell you this, that it is kind of moving in that direction. And now with Donald Trump, you know, having a big meeting with the uh, automobile manufacturers, trying to figure out a way to amend or, or do something to change the cafe regulations so that we don't have to have – and the cafe regulations are – you know, it's, it's – and I can't remember exactly what it stands for. It's an acronym for something. But it basically it says that we have to have an average fuel consumption. So that's why you have to have some cars that get unbelievable gas mileage to offset the cars that don't get such great mileage. Namely, your SUVs and trucks. So that's kind of how we do that. But I, I'm not, I'm, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the jury's still out on cafe regulations as well. And uh, the manufacturers do have the ability. To, I mean, if we have the ability to send a guy to the moon, I think we can make a car that gets, you know, 100 miles a gallon too and still run really efficient on an internal combustion engine. But nevertheless, hey, I think what we're going to do is we're going to go to a song here. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And I think we're going to play a little 80s rock. And Bobby, what do we have queued up here? Oh, a little Motley crew. All right, good. All right, hey, you're tuning in to Celtic Radio Cars on Touch That Doll. We will be right back. This is our eight-year anniversary show.
This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Hey, this is Dennis Gage from the TV show My Classic Car, and you're listening to Nostalgic Rubio on Cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And a few minutes ago, I think I was talking a little bit about electric cars and fuel and, and all that good stuff and cafe regulations and stuff. So let's see. What was I talking about the other day? Oh, 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 back to electric cars. Here's one of the things that a lot of people don't take in consideration, too, on these electric cars. And I guess, you know, I'm kind of like on it because I'm not exactly thrilled about it because the resale value on those cars is relatively low. The tax credit that they – give the people to buy the cars is basically passed on to the um to us the the u.s taxpayer you know so it's kind of like we have to subsidize that and then what they're trying to do is they're trying to pass some other regulation where they're trying to get the 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 u.s taxpayer subsidize all the charging locations so you know and the and the oil companies frankly and i'm sure behind closed doors are not necessarily big fans of this because that means they're going to have to spend more money to facilitate charging facilities at gas stations now there are some that do that some of the newer wawas do it some of the newer uh, racetracks do it shell stations i think have some and uh but you know still you know if you want to have two banks there actually where was i I think i was in st pete and uh, and there was Wawa's on Gandhi Boulevard, and uh, there was like six charging stations back there, and there was nobody back there except one guy sitting in a Tesla on the cell phone, and he was there for about I'm gonna guess 35, 40 minutes because I actually had to pull over there, get diesel fuel, run in, and uh, use the facilities, and then go to my phone because I was doing some business in the in uh, in my truck because I had I was waiting for a meeting. So while I was there, which was easily 30, 40 minutes. Because I actually had time to kill too, but I had already fueled up, parked in the back, so I was out of the way, and I was watching this guy the whole time. And I mean, he just sat there; he looked like he was bored out of the out of his mind. So I had a reason to be there because I was in between appointments. He had to be there because he had to charge his car up, otherwise he couldn't go from point A to point B or any or anywhere else. So eh, see, you're you're kind of held hostage by electric cars. The other thing is, is I don't know if you've been following the news, is that there's been a lot of uh, mishaps with electric cars. You know, batteries, especially lithium-ion, if they get exposed to oxygen, they're explosive. So if they get pierced, ruptured, or in any way, shape, or form, they go kaboom. 
In fact, there's been talk here recently, and I don't know if you guys have followed that or not, but cell phones, you know, how cell phones can cause uh, like brain tumors and things of that nature if you use them a lot. There's been rumors of cell phones exploding. Um, a few years ago, I think there was an issue with cell phones, I think it was Samsung or something like that. They had an issue with uh, them exploding, and you couldn't take them on an airplane. In fact, I can recall being on an airplane, and they actually walked through the cabin sitting there telling everybody if you had a certain specific cell phone, you had to leave that at the airport. So, you know, so there's the battery technology, you know, if, if they weren't hyping it, if they would just kind of phase it in gradually, I think people would just kind of get accustomed to it and you give us the option you know even if it was hydrogen engines or if it was you know other forms of uh alternative fuels and stuff that would work but to sit there and 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 make this big push for electric i'm not so sure back off a little bit as the way i feel about it. kind of the same thing with wind power you know they were talking about wind power how great and wonderful it is they throw up all these wind towers now the cafricos are all upset because birds are flying into the blades and getting slaughtered so you know it's like there's pros and cons and there's this and that let's just take it step by step like we did with the automobile and let's just see what works and phase into it but instead of forcing it down our throats let's just make it happen kind of gradually and give people the options you know i think technology um, I'm not going to say that, you know, internal combustion engine is the greatest thing since sliced bread, but it seems to work. It's worked for 100 years. And uh, who knows? They might come out with an efficient way to do steam engines again. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities. You know, they might come out with a way to sit there and create these little mini super killer generators that you can mount in the trunk of your car that will actually charge the batteries while you're going down the road and make them more efficient. But, you know, it, it's just it's it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of economic sense so at any rate bobby you're gonna jump in here real quick for a few minutes and uh bobby's home for the weekend here he's a full-fledged student at uh, ucf how you doing there son i am doing pretty good how about you pretty 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 good so uh what do you think bub eight years now eight years wow that is amazing eight years um Gosh, I can remember. It was eighth grade when we started it. <laughs> wow, eighth grade. That's right. Now you're in your, what, third year of college pretty much? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Super, super. Well, anyway, I think it's about time for us to go ahead and get our guests on the show. So what we're going to do is we're going to play another 80s song for you. And uh, don't touch that doll. We'll be right back because we got a really interesting uh, guest coming up. You're tuned into Nostalgic Reading Cars.
muscle car owner, this is what it's all about. Putting together the magic combination of a powerful engine, carburetors in two, four, or even six packs, and just enough secret sauce in the head design to blow away any car that dared rev its engine at a stoplight. It's hard to believe, but in the early 60s, most of that muscle car magic could be bought right off the showroom floor. All of the big three, General Motors, Chrysler, and Ford, sold high-performance cars that ran like race cars and looked even better. There's no other car quite like it, Ford Fairlane for 63. A muscle car was greater than the sum of its parts. Sure, it had to have a very powerful V8 engine, it had to have an aggressive exterior, it had to have a wonderful, menacing exhaust tone. It just had to be in your face. If somebody questioned you, oftentimes it was the modern equivalent of the Old West shootout on Main Street at noon. You went out, you saw what your car did to you compared to somebody else's. That could settle a lot of arguments. Ask 10 auto buffs what they consider the first muscle car, and you're likely to get 10 different answers. Ask what's the best muscle car, and you're likely to end up in the middle of a street brawl. Whatever the favorite, there's probably an example enjoying retirement in the Muscle Car Museum. Drawing thousands from across the country to drool over the cleanest, shiniest, fastest automobiles to ever hit the streets. And yes, they all run. This is Mark Green on Cars Yeah, inspiring automotive enthusiast. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We're back and you're tuned into Nostalgic Beating Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is now again a TV star. He's the host of the Discovery Channel's new TV show, automotive TV show, Sticker Shock. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this afternoon, Dennis Pitsenbarger. How you doing, Dennis? I'm doing well. Boy, you know what? If you had the, the, the term uh, TV star in a quarter, you know what you'd have. What? A quarter. That's all you'd have. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm just a regular guy that gets lucky to uh, spread my, uh, my, my little, uh, I guess, call it a flavor of automotive tomfoolery. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't even like the fact that on Google it lists me as a TV actor. It's like, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, they're like, well, what do you do when you're not on TV? I'm like, I run a tint shop in Portland, Oregon called Elite Window Tinting where I just hang out and put cool tint and paint protection on cars, you know? I'm just a, a guy who, you know, plays with his, you know, his, his junky, you know, $6,000 race cars on the weekend, you know? I, it's, it's, I'm just a regular guy. I mean, I appreciate the, the lead-in, but, man, I'm, I'm just a regular guy. Okay, well, you're modest. Let's say that. How about that? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take that. <laughs> well, now, you've been on a number of shows over the years, and uh, why don't you tell us about some of the shows? Just highlight them real quick, because... Uh, you, you got you got a track record. Well, yeah, I've been. You know, I tell people I've always been really lucky that I have got to do a lot of 
very, very cool things with some very cool people. I mean, whether it's, you know, having the opportunity to launch the 6th Gen Camaro with Al and, and Mark and Jim Campbell and, and Doc Jamie and all of those guys over at Chevrolet um, got to be a, a part of the launch of the Z06 Corvette with Taj and all of his team for Corvette. So I've had a great relationship with Chevrolet over the years. Um, got an opportunity to work with all the great people at Hot Rod Magazine and, and everyone over at, well, at the time it was Source uh, Interlink Media. Now it's the Enthusiast Network. Um, have uh, had opportunities to be on TV before on the other show that I got to host or be, I guess, what you call the main character, if that's such a title, on Highway to Sell. And that one was a little bit of a bittersweet thing, but you know what? I, I'm I'm just a lucky guy that's got to do a lot of cool things. And and sticker shock to me is about as pure and simple as a TV show can get. So I, I'm 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 excited for this this latest chapter as well. Okay, well, tell us a little bit how Sticker Shock came to fruition, and uh, how you were able to get that gig, and 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 tell us a little bit about some of the episodes. Actually, it was on yesterday a little bit, and I saw some of it this morning again. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy because we have, you know, I was talking about working in the shop here in Portland and we got a big screen and every once in a while I'm like, wait a minute, am I on the TV? So <laughs> um, it's, it's been pretty funny. You know, Sticker Shock was an idea that was put together with IPC and, and te- uh, you know, Todd Mesero and all the guys and, and, and the entire family over there came up with the idea. They approached me about this, figuring that, Maybe I was going to channel my inner David Lee Ross from the Hot for you know Hot for Teacher video, and I was just going to end up being a game show host. Um, I it's a cool idea that you know took some work certainly to put the show together and some really cool cars we can talk about in a second. But the basis of it is really about as simple as you get. You know, it's it's just tell the stories of someone's car, which as you know is pretty easy to do. Just tell me what makes you love cars. Tell me what gives you passion for the automotive industry. And then let's talk about your car and try to put a value on it. Uh, Probably the easiest way to describe it is antique roadshow for cars. Now I can only be so lucky, my friend. I believe antique roadshow is in its 21st year of on television broadcast. And I can tell you this, if we're 21 years in the future (laughs) and I'm still doing sticker shock, I will be the happiest person on the planet. (laughs) <laughs> you will have sticker shock, right? I will. I will have a TV shock. TV is what shock. I'll have. It's, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's really just a neat idea of bringing together owners of cars and letting them tell the story of why they love that car. Now, you know, everybody knows I'm a tomorrow junkie. It's not a big secret if you find me on Facebook or you know, any any social media. There's a picture of you know, my 95 Camaro or, you know, maybe my 91 Camaro or, you know, even my Suburban. I'm a Chevy nut. I love them all, but that's my flavor. And it gives everybody an opportunity that comes on the show to be able to tell that story of what made them love that car. If I was a guest on the show, I'd tell you why. When I was 12, I got a, you know, 64 Chevrolet. And, and you know, and the, the hook was set and the bug was, you know, the bug bit me. Um, gives them an opportunity to tell why they love the car, what led them into buying the car, how they came across it, what they did to it, what they improved it with, what they modified it and made it their own. And then bring in one of the great appraisers. And I got to tell you, the, the big credit goes to the four people that are the appraisers on the show. You know, Todd, Addison, Nick, and Randy are incredible people. 
they do an incredible job. And, and, and quite frankly, they have the tough job. I actually got the fun job. They get the tough job because they get to meet the people. They get to talk about the cars. They get to hear that story as well as I do. But then they are burdened with the idea of putting a value on the car. And, you know, all four of the appraisers have done so many appraisals, you know, whether it's Nick and his time in auctions, whether it's Randy and his expertise in, you know, small European cars like Bugs. I mean, he's well-known in the, in the Bug community. Addison's been buying and selling cars since she was in college. Um, Todd, you know, Workman, he is a guy who knows up and down everything. He taught me, or all of them taught me something neat about cars. And, you know, going through that and letting them have a chance to appraise the car, look up and down the car, look inside, check the motor, look at, you know, whether it's got the right serial numbers, whether it's got the right motor, interior. They have the tough job to put a value on the car. And then being able to bring that together and, and put what is subjectively a value on the car, because we all know it's all eye of the beholder. And it's not like we're offering them cash. We're not buying it, selling it. We're just trying to put a value on the car so people can be entertained by the story. So, I mean, it's a fun show. It's very simplistic in its idea, but I think it's neat to be able to let these people tell their personal story. Well, one of the episodes there, you had the uh, the milk truck. Is it what is it? Div- Divco, Divco. Divco, Divco, yeah, and that was a really neat story. That was a cool, yeah, go on, elaborate on that one. That one actually, when he popped the hood and I saw that flathead in there and it was all modified, I go, whoa, hey, that guy's pretty creative. I mean, just like you said, he looked like the mad scientist. He really did. I mean, the guy was perfect. Tell us about that one, though. Yeah, he was great, him and his wife. Well, first off, I love the part that when I put him on the spot of how much money he has in his car. Now, (laughs) for those of us that have, I guess the word would be, uh, alter the truth to our better halves of how much money we have in our habits that are automotive, um, the first part when he kind of does the eclectic kind of almost sign language uh, sitting at the you know, the, the, you know, on the Dow, you know, sitting there trading stock and he's giving me the hand signals of how much money he really has in it. We went from five to 10 to 13 before he even knew what he was doing. <laughs> but, you know, that was what, that was part of it, but it was that motor. Now the Divco was cool and those were really cool little rides. And the fact that he made it to a drivable car that can even go 70 miles an hour on the freeway, which might be a little aerodynamically challenged or a little, <laughs> I don't know, scary wouldn't be the right word, but I don't know if I'd want to go over 70 in that, but it was that, uh, flathead. He took a flathead. He took a W motor, a 409 water pump, put it on there. Set it up with fuel injection, if you can believe this, a throttle body off like uh, mid-80s, mid-90s. I don't remember exactly where he got it, but like a 4.3 uh, V6 out of like an S10. Mm-hmm. And not only did he do that, but then just the way he put together the return lines, everything was perfectly. Now, I'm one of those guys that doesn't like spaghetti under the hood. If you bought the hood and it looks like somebody just dropped a wiring kit on top of your motor... It's not really my style. I like to have everything really sanitary. That's just my deal. But the way he had everything plumbed and put in that car so perfectly angled and put together was amazing. And the fact that that little flathead, you know, V8 ran on a 4.3 late model Chevrolet fuel injection system. And the way it ran, which was one click start, it was pretty amazing. And I think that Todd Workman put it perfectly the automotive kookery that was put together with that car certainly showed the value in it. And I can guarantee you this, 
if I ever hit the right six numbers, which I make sure and always pick them, I just haven't picked the right six. I think a Divco would be in my future as a fun little, <laughs> you know, a fun little project. Now, mine probably have an LS in it, but it would still be a fun little project. Now, I couldn't really tell from the show, and I was trying to follow it, but was that a kind of relatively original Survivor vehicle, and he just, with the paint, and I mean, did or what, did he actually go out of his way and relic that? No, no, that was actually a car he got from someone he knew. It was kind of a local buy. And, and you know, the, the cool thing about part of the Discovery family is all of these little snippets are available on the Discovery Go app. So if you go to the Discovery Go app, you can actually watch that segment. Really? Um, it was actually twice retired. It was retired from one dairy, went to another dairy. They used it. They retired it. And then he bought it because it was basically in somebody's yard. And then that's when he started you know, the labeled by Todd Workman, the automotive kookery that made it what it was. That was, I thought, was really, really interesting. The other car I thought was kind of interesting was that uh, the Metal Flake or the Candy Apple Orange um, convertible, the lead sled that you did. That was kind of an interesting car, too. The Volvo or the Econo line? Which one? The I think it was a 50, 50-something Ford, and then had like the 53, 54 Mercury taillights on it or something like that. You know, it was all kind of custom. Oh, oh yeah, the Hot Rod. That hot was rod. a great rig. I mean, that, yeah, some of the cars were really cool. I mean, that Hot Rod was cool. It had a big old Caddy motor in it. He had painted it kind of a, I think it was a Lamborghini orange, really, yeah. really neat color, and it was a driver, and that's I think that's, Again, a really cool draw to the show is these are not million-dollar builds. These are not show cars. These are cars that people really drive. Now, some of them aren't drivable, or some of them are pretty rare and collectible. But for the most part, the cars themselves are actually kind of that everyday Joe car that somebody could realistically buy. I mean, whether it be, you know, there was the Dodge Charger owned by the young lady. There was... You know, everything from that all the way up to, like, say, that that Keller, which kind of threw me for a loop because I thought I'd seen everything until I saw a Keller. You know, the little, rare. Yeah, that, that was that little Woody that the guy brought on there? Yeah, the Keller Super Chief. And, uh-huh. and trust me when I, when I say, I really was kind of like, excuse me, uh, what? Because I had never heard of one. When I had seen it in the distance, you know, I honestly thought it was a Morris Minor at first. And... The funny thing about that is, is, you know, there's obviously always that chatter that, you know, these shows are scripted and everybody, you know, gets a little idea what they're supposed to say. I got to say, one of the neat things about this program, too, is I did not, and I mean, I repeat, I did not meet any of these people except for a couple of them that I knew previously, which was Zach with the Camaro and then my other friend, Davey, that'll be in an upcoming episode. I had not talked to or met any of these people until literally they stood next to me. We turned three quarters of the way towards the cameras and somebody said, okay, go. And that's what made it really genuine is to hear these stories. And whether it be that hot rod, which was very, very cool. Addison did a great job of that car. It was really fun. Uh, little appraisal segment. Um, the, the super chief Keller, which was, you know, literally one of three that they even know of in existence that are the Woody panel wagon. Um, it was just a really neat kind of, I, I guess I use the word too much, but maybe eclectic is the right word, uh, group of cars that got appraised so far. Where's this? Uh, where's the filming done? Where was it located? It looks like it's a giant auction uh, background or something, or where exactly is this take place? 
Well, it was kind of a secret when we started, but too many people figured it out because I guess uh, everything from music videos to other shows have been filmed. It was actually an old warehouse, about a, I guess it's like 2 million square feet Jeez. down in Southern California in a place called Watts, kind of a suburb, and uh, just a big, giant warehouse. And it was a really neat place because not only did it have great background, but it was a it was a big, big space that had some great audio and it had some great background visual to go with it. So it was just right down in Southern California, you know, as, as many have said, kind of the birthplace of the automotive, I guess, uh, well, maybe kookery would be the right word. It's just the, <laughs> the automotive love that we all, we all know. It had to have started somewhere and certainly California gets a lot of that credit. Now, you know the word kookery, what you can do is you, when you type it in on your phone, you know, you can add that to your dictionary now. And we, you know. <laughs> well, I'll definitely have to do that. I like, you know, it was, uh, it was, it, those were some really fun people for sure. Okay. So the, the, sh- now are, is this kind of like a, a full fledged show now or are you doing, is this like pilot episodes? They do six and then they wait to see, or how's this going to play out? Well, right now, I mean, I know for a fact that we filmed 13 episodes oh, okay. and you know, the, oh yeah. So we're going to be on for a few more weeks, um, every Wednesday night on discovery. Um, obviously, you know, I had already mentioned where you can go to Discovery Go and watch previous episodes and, uh, Discovery Motors on Facebook shows a lot of the videos and it's been, uh, you know, one of those things where it's been really well received by the public, you know, I mean, obviously there's always going to be that guy who thinks that we got the appraisal wrong or they didn't do it, you know, they didn't do it justice and it was worth more, uh, that was crazy, it was too much, but, uh, Right now, we did a total of, I believe it was a little over 70 cars. So there's there's a lot more coming around the corner for Sticker Shop. Wow. Okay. Well, we can't wait to see that. Now, Optima Challenge, are you still involved with those guys doing some stuff? Because you were doing uh, some, I think, uh, announcing for them. Weren't you there for a while? Well, I was there for the inaugural. Okay. Um, they chose to, uh, you know, just not have an announcer. So, I mean, I wish... Uh, Everybody over at FM3 and the Optima Street, Optima, Optima Ultimate Street Car Challenge, all the, the luck in the world for that series to continue and be successful. Um, I really do love that series. It's a fun place for people to show off a car that can do everything. Um, it's, uh, it's a great way to see people in their ingenuity and high-performance cars. But no longer doing that, but I wish them all the luck in the world. A neat, neat you know, place for you to see if you got a car that can do it all, that's for sure. Well, that's some pretty serious stuff out there. And I guess, what is it? Is it like a series that travels around the country? Is that the way that works? Yeah, I believe that they have seven or eight different stops around major courses on the, around the country. Um, they've been doing it every, I mean, when I did it, we were at Texas Motor Speedway. We were in Daytona. We were in So uh, definitely a place to uh, try out. If you can put yourself up against some of the best hot foods in the world, that would be your place to do it. Okay. So what's in uh, your future? Now, you, if I, last time I remember we talked, you had uh, a, like a 70s, early 70s Chevy truck that you drive around with, and I think you had maybe a third-gen Camaro or something you were working on that you race? Well, I'm always, you know, I mean, it's always buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. I, I, I have my, my typical Camaro collection of uh, broken down or in-progress <laughs> cars. I, I've got a little first-gen shell that's basically just... I don't know if I'm going to sell it and try to pay for a daughter's college fund or, or what I'll ever do with that. I have the third gen, which has got a broken motor in it. That one's got a motor up at the local uh, uh, speed shop, Payola. A little shout-out to them. They're the best engine builders in my area. Um, and, of course, the fourth gen, 
Um, if you want to see some cool stuff, man, if you go to my, if you go to, you know, the car guy, Dennis on Facebook or anywhere else, you'll see some really cool pictures. RPM, which is a local company here that does some really amazing cages for late model cars. Um, I approached them about doing a, a cage for my convertible fourth gen Camaro. And it is literally, as we speak, supposed to be going, uh, into final stages for, uh, door bars. Uh, our support door bars, and then over to powder coat. So um, I'm really excited to get that car back. But that's the kind of nut I am. I'm going to have a 8.5 certified cage in a car that runs, you know, high 10. But you know what? I- I've been a guy that's been on fire multiple times. I've flipped semis at 100-plus miles an hour. I've been in some pretty nasty accidents. So I have no problem spending money on uh, on uh, safety gear. I-, 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 I, will- I would pass 10. My 11-second Camaro, 10s if I'm lucky, would pass tech for an 8-second car. But, you know, once once you're on fire once, and uh, once you've wrecked it over 100 miles an hour, you tend to put that stuff at the top of the, uh, I guess, the priority list. Well, now, since you crash at over 100 miles an hour, and you were a torch, a human torch there for a second, does uh, what, what goes through your mind the next time you get into a race car? Do you kind of like relive that? Do you think about it? Does it scare you a little bit? Or you said, nah, been there, done that. Let's go for it. Well, I mean, uh, over the years, uh, I've just added enough safety equipment that I make sure that uh, I don't do anything. Well, I'll just call it. I don't do anything stupid. Okay. Um, you know, I'm a guy who buys a new helmet every year. I'm a guy who has a three-layer fire suit. I'm a guy who has, you know up-to-date SFI belts and, and everything in this car. I mean, a lot of people, I think they skimp on safety equipment first in a race car, and it's kind of an afterthought. You know, I, I would say that they should rethink that if that's their mentality. Not everybody thinks that. You know, I mean, that's, not, that's I don't want a blanket statement, the automotive racing community. But I think that if you're out racing and having fun in a car, I don't care if it's a 15-second street car if it's a little, you know, Honda you know, DX coupe you want to go autocrossing in, safety should be your first priority because, you know, you never know when things can go wrong. And, and, I, and it's not that I planned methanol fires in my dirt cars. <laughs> I never planned on, you know, rolling a semi at 100 miles an hour. I've never planned on, you know, putting my face on the pavement off a motorcycle. But, you know, if you have the right equipment, it's a good way to keep yourself safe. That's a good idea. Now, we got a couple minutes left. So if you had to sit there and do your ideal TV show, what would be the theme? Well, you know, I'm living it, bud. I oh, really okay. am. I mean, because it, Sticker Shock is what I wanted to do in TV. You know, I was fortunate enough to be on TV before. And, you know, I'm not knocking any other show or telling how anybody else does their show because I'm not there, so I don't know. But... You know, I I feel that Sticker Shock is a no, I don't know how to say it, It, it's a no hogwash television show. You know, I mean, it's it's very simplistic in its manner. Um, It tells stories, which I think is the most important part. And it just gives people an idea that no matter what they drive to someone out there other than themselves, the car can have a great value. Now, you can never put sentiment value on a car. You can never put passion value on a car. But I, I, I think that sticker shock is one of those things that I think, you know, going back to what I said about if I can mimic Antique Roadshow in 21 years from now, we're having this same conversation. I, I would be in hog heaven. I mean, I, I don't know if I could find the right metaphor, have my cake and eat it too, be able to do a show 
meet interesting people, get them to tell stories about their interesting cars, and then be able to put a value on that car with some incredible appraisers and have these people, some are upset, some are not, but at least they have an idea. Now, just because, you know, you think it's worth 250 grand and we think it's worth 50 doesn't mean that it's going to sell for 50. And it certainly doesn't mean that they're wrong or they're right. It's just a way to kind of get a, get an idea and, and along the way, have some fun. And above all, I, I'll say it again, just tell the fun stories of why we're all car nuts. Well, yeah. And the bottom line is, as long as it puts a smile on your face, that's all that matters. And it's the story, too, that goes with it. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Dennis, why don't you, we got about uh, 30 seconds left. Why don't you go ahead and give everybody a shout-out real quick. Uh, also, again, I want to thank you very much. This is my eight-year anniversary show. I'm, you're my special guest for this, uh, this, special, very, this very special show. And uh, So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody how they can find out a little bit more about you and follow you on social media real quick. Well, what they need to do is they need to follow you on social media and what you do. Eight years is, a, is quite an accomplishment, and, and my hat's off to you, my friend. It's, you know, doing this kind of stuff, we don't do it because we want to be rich, because God knows we're not, but we do it because we have a passion. We want to share what we have as an excitement and an idea of spreading the word, if that's the way. Maybe spreading the gospel on the mountain, if that's another way to put it. Um, I definitely got to give a shout out to IPC and everyone over there in the production staff, certainly Discovery and Discovery Channel and all the people that have been doing such a fabulous job of promoting the show, certainly to all 72 plus guests that were on the program, to each and every one of them. I've befriended all of them on Facebook or social media. It's a family that will stick around for a long time. And of course, Addison, Todd, Nick, and Randy, the four appraisers, they got, as I said, they got burdened with the hard job i got the fun job but i just hope everybody has a chance to follow us each and every week on the discovery channel on wednesday night of course go to discovery Go's app you can watch all the old episodes and if you want to you can always chime in on all the social network and tell me what you think because i put it out there even after the show is done and say okay this is what the car was this is what we appraise it at come on by and check me out i mean it's the car guy dennis on facebook instagram any social media you can find me it's pretty easy i'm just a a loud mouth with a lot of passion and a lot of and, and a lot of friends that have given me the opportunities that i have today including yourself so once again congratulations to you as well all right well dennis i want to thank you very much for coming on the show we'll keep in touch hey i want to thank my special guest dennis pittsburgh for hanging out with us here on our eight-year anniversary show don't forget to check out his new tv show on discovery sticker shock hey dennis take care we'll see you at some of the car shows so I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgia Painting Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tantalk Radio Network, 7 and 8 p.m., tell your friends, eight-year anniversary show. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all our other social media. We'll see you at some of the car shows. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. She get high. She get high. She get high.
don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a feller in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio.